Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Breda Pest Management, the official pest control of UGA Athletics. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So last night, Georgia once again ranked atop the college football playoff top 25. You're not surprised by that. By now, you've come to expect that, perhaps not just this year, but over the course of the last couple of years there as well. However, even with Georgia once again being at number one, though, I do think there's a pretty important takeaway as it relates to UGA. So my kind of nightly routine on this each week when it comes out is I watch the show, I see the rankings, and then after that, we get ready to go live on the Dog Nation video channels for a couple of minutes. Connor Riley and I did that last night. And as I'm waiting for our show to begin, kind of just watching the rankings take place, sort of trying to figure out who's where I thought they would be and who's perhaps slightly different than I think they probably would have been, I'm also listening a little bit to the chatter from the ESPN analyst. And I think sometimes the tone of those discussions, I think, can be you know kind of interesting. And so if you did not watch last night's Top 25, by now you've probably kind of maybe decided it's not very newsy. You know George is going to be number one. Ultimately, where Georgia was ranked last night is perhaps not all that interesting, but the way in which Georgia got discussed last night by the ESPN folks, I do think that's pretty interesting because the key takeaway seemingly here is not just that Georgia is number one, you already knew that, but in the eyes of the people who are kind of tasked with sort of setting the discussion points for the rest of college football, Georgia is now viewed to be number one with some distance here. Georgia far ahead of the other championship contenders, perhaps that's the case, at least based on what the folks on ESPN said last night. I'm going to play a little bit of a recording of this. So this is audio from Reese Davis, the show host, when he announced Georgia number one, and then you get into like Joey Galloway and Booger McFarlane and Greg McElroy and Kirk Herbstreet, uh, the four of these guys kind of talking about their reaction to Georgia being number one. And they obviously heaped a lot of praise in the direction of UGA, who now they sort of clearly view better uh, as being better than anybody else in the rest of college football. This is what the ESPN analyst said about Georgia at number one last night. Take a listen to this. Let's go to the top of the rankings, and we expect to see the number one team in the land to once again be the two-time reigning national champion Georgia Bulldogs at number one. It is indeed Georgia. Yeah, there was no doubt that it was going to be Georgia. I've had them ranked number one the entire season, but these last few weeks and what they've been able to do, Greg mentioned what they just did against Tennessee, Missouri, but for that, they have put their stamp on being number one right now. Is there separation? There is separation. Georgia and the rest of the And what they've been able to do, the way Carson Beck is playing, and the way he played without Brock Bowers, I think he grew up, and now Brock Bowers is back, they're the number one team. It's, I mean, this team at 100% fully healthy, we've seen it, what, for a half against Ole Miss, and they are unstoppable. It's so it's, it's unbelievable. So Greg McElroy there at the end saying this team right now unstoppable and it's unbelievable. And this is an echo of what we also talked about last week. If you'll remember, you know, the whole big argument in favor of Georgia being at number one was not just that the resume was getting better, although it is, and we'll touch on that here in a moment, but as Kirk Kerbstreet brought up on last week's broadcast, we also mentioned here on our program, hey, the ultimate argument for Georgia is this is finally what Georgia looks like when it's healthy. It is an unstoppable offense with all these guys in here. And, you know, we had this conversation in Knoxville this past Sunday, Saturday morning, you know, getting ready for that game against Tennessee. You know, people are obviously, you're kind of hanging out at a tailgate. People are talking about what they think is going to happen in the game. 
And the one point that I feel like I made a few different times to a few different people was, ultimately, I believed that Georgia could score as many points as it needed to. And the ultimate reason why in a game like Tennessee or the other games that perhaps Georgia's playing, however many points it needs to score to win the game, of course, it's going to do that. And, and so, you know, it's just simply a matter of, well, how much of a margin of victory does there end up being? How large is the, uh, is, is the uh, margin of victory for Georgia? Because offensively, they're going to be able to score enough points to win the game because this is what that unit looks like when it's fully healthy. Now, is it truly fully healthy given Land McConkey's status? I guess we'll find out coming up over the course of the next couple of weeks. But what the analysts say there, including Greg McElroy, is a little bit of an echo of what Kirk Herbstreit said last week of, all of a sudden, this Georgia team fully healthy, playing at a different level and in a different gear than it has prior, you know, to that. And you know, Reese Davis really kind of crystallized the entire discussion there with this question of is there separation right now for Georgia and everybody else? And the analysts on that panel all resoundingly say yes. To Joey Galloway's credit, he says, I felt that was true all year long. The other analysts, whether they've been on board with that or not, now seem to agree with that. But what's interesting here though is is that it's not just like the ESPN folks who've kind of asked that question. At various times this year, Georgia fans have asked that question because you got a couple of things that sort of go on. You know how like the old thing goes where like, you know, you can pick on your sibling, brother, sister, whatever, but you don't want anybody else to pick on them. We sometimes sort of do that with like college football where like Georgia fans, we will discuss among ourselves of, well, George, is Georgia really far better than everybody else? Is Georgia as good as it's been? Like sometimes in like a good faith way, we'll discuss that with each other. And at various times this season, game closer than it should have been against Auburn, closer than it should have been against South Carolina. There was, I think, some good faith discussion going on among Georgia fans at the time of, well, is Georgia really what we kind of think it should be? And that's all fair to do. But then when like, you know, somebody from like outside the bubble of dog nation, one of these ESPN types, whatever, when they start trying to have their doubts about Georgia, well, now we kind of put our partisan hats on and now we're ready to kind of, kind of do battle with them and debate with them because that's just sort of what college football fans do. But the question that Reese Davis asked last night is a question that Georgia fans have asked themselves of. You know, gosh, compared to where Georgia was this point in 2021 or where Georgia was at this point in 2022, is there separation between Georgia and the other teams that it's competing with? And I think that last night, taking a snapshot of not just where Georgia is, but where Michigan, Ohio State, Oregon, Washington, Florida State, Texas, perhaps even Alabama, where all of these teams are right now, yes, it does seem like Georgia is number one with a little bit of distance. And, you know, this whole fake and phony argument of, well, the non-conference schedule, can you really think that Georgia's all that good? Like, all of that was always sort of fake, phony nonsense that was just sort of produced to make it seem like, you know, there was something worth talking about here for UGA. But now that entire deal of Georgia's resume being lacking because of its non-conference schedule or, or whatever else, that's pretty clearly been proven you know, not to be a uh, worthy consideration here right now. That's one of the key takeaways from last night. In fact, to go to a different network here for a moment, this is so resoundingly true that Joel Klatt, who sometimes I think I may like more than some of y'all do, I think that Klatt's fairly straightforward. You know, the Fox analyst, he's like the guy they're trying to build up to be their Kirk Herbstreit. I think that Klatt, for the most part, by and large, is better than most of the analyst work you're getting on ESPN here right now. So I don't really mind Klatt all that bad. I think he's kind of kind of gone from being at one point in time a little bit of a cartoon character, you know, kind of 
anti-SEC type stuff to now being just a little bit more of a straightforward, I'm here to be taken seriously type analyst. I think for the most part, that persona has kind of worked for him. I think he's pretty good. And on his own show where he sort of screams into a microphone the same way I'm doing right now, you know, he was talking about, you know, Georgia and in Klatt's belief right now, there is so much distance between Georgia and the rest of college football that Joel Klatt says he thinks there's only three teams in America that could even give Georgia a close game right now, and it's perhaps not the three that you think it would be. This is what Klatt said on his show about that this week. Take a listen. There's only three teams that you could say, okay, this would give their coaching staff at least some pause. This, these are matchups that would give them some trouble, and I think that's Ohio State. I think that's Texas, and I think that's Oregon. Those are the teams that are best built to match up with Georgia. Not beat, but match up with, because they've won 28 straight. I look at these three teams, and they're all good enough at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. They all have what I would consider to be excellent skill position players on the outside. In Texas and Oregon's case, they've got a quarterback that can go to you know, level five if need be. And we still may see that out of Kyle McCord. He's got that talent. And in particular with Henderson in the backfield, maybe we start seeing that out of him. And then certainly in Texas and Ohio State's case, you've got a play caller that could give Georgia problems, in particular if those two play callers are given three or four weeks to prepare for the game in Steve Sarkeesian and Ryan Day. So I at least agree with one point that Klatt's making there, and I said this on video last night. I think the team in America that's actually best equipped to play a close game with Georgia, I believe, is probably Texas. Now, the irony is, and Klatt also mentioned this in his own show, the irony here is is it's not even obvious that Texas is going to make the college football playoff. In fact, right now, it sort of seems like they're a little bit boxed out here. Um, but I believe that Texas, because of its defensive line and especially because of its wide receivers, I do believe Texas is probably best positioned to give Georgia a challenge of the compared to the other team that's sort of in the college ball playoff race. I, you know, I have a hard time, and I say this with, with great respect, because I do think that Oregon is better than almost everybody else, and I do think that Dan Lanning is really a coaching star on the rise here. But, y'all, it wasn't hardly that long ago that Georgia beat Oregon 49-3. to Do we have enough evidence to suggest that Oregon has closed the gap by 46 points with it in Georgia? I'm not quite so sure that it has. I'm not really quite so sure how how seriously I can take that here at the moment. I will mention about Ohio State, the one thing that's very interesting. We're going to make our official picks on this on Friday. You know, Michigan has been my pick to win the Big Ten and be in the college ball playoff since before the season began. But the more I learn about this sort of sign-stealing stuff, the more I'm led to believe, I think it has had an impact on how Michigan has played. I think it's made Michigan a better football team. And without that, I'm not quite so sure they can do what they've done the last two years in beating Ohio State. Ohio State, to its credit, has really improved on defense. It's something they set out to do, and they have now started to kind of feel a little bit more like a physical football team, which is obviously what it takes if they want to beat Michigan, something they failed to do over the course of the last couple of seasons. But there's no free lunch in college football. You get better defensively, you get more physical, then perhaps you lose some of your explosiveness on offense, and to a certain extent, that's what's happened with Ohio State. So if we say, well, Georgia has clearly shown improvement as the season has gone along, and now they are what they are, 
then I want to leave the door open that another team could do that there as well. And so maybe on Saturday in the game against Michigan, something we'll talk more about on Friday, maybe on Saturday in the game against Michigan, Ohio State also shows some of that improvement. They need to get much better offensively to truly be an elite-level team at kind of the national championship level. Maybe against the Wolverines on the road, they can show that. But it takes some work to get there and bolsters the overall point that Joel Klatt was making and the ESPN folks were kind of making parallel to that, which is right now Georgia's number one. We already know that. But when you start looking at what Georgia's been able to rack up over the course of the last three weeks, all ranked opponents, all, you know, certainly very comfortable wins in the case of, you know, Missouri, if not outright blowouts in the case of Ole Miss and Tennessee, this is not just a Georgia team that's number one right now. It's number one with the arrow still pointing up. And it's been better than everybody already. And the best could be yet still to come. So the mission of go for three and 23 with Tech on the horizon on Saturday and the SEC championship after that, and hopefully a trip to the college football playoff on deck beyond that there as well. All of those goals right now seem certainly very realistic. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans presented today by Breda Pest Management. We're happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us live on video today. Obviously, we start 945, first and 15, dognation.com and the Dog Nation app. We're 10 a.m. after that across all video platforms there as well. Uh, radio uh, on Athens Sports Radio 960 Rev podcast, however you find them there as well. Just really, really appreciate you joining and being a part of our show here today. And obviously, we uh, very much appreciate our friends at Breda Pass Management for making it all possible for you there as well. Love Matt Breda, love the entire team at Breda Pass Management. Uh, of course, longtime supporters of ours, big parts of what we do in high school football on Fridays there as well, which I'm terrifically uh, grateful for. And the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics, too. There's obviously some prestige associated with that. So I feel prestigious by proxy, if you will, for being able to stand alongside Breda Pass Management as they keep uh, Sanford Stadium and all the UGA athletic venues protected from bugs and critters and termites and everything else. Uh, that's what Breda Pest Management is all about. And they want to provide that same level of service to you. But here's the thing. It's not just, the, as I said before, kind of the prestige of, oh, I work with the company that UGA works with. It's more than just that, because with Breda Pass Manager, they've been in business since 1975. They have 125 or whatever employees stretch all across our market area, taking care of folks each and every day. And when you have that kind of track record for success, that kind of legacy, that lineage, uh, you know, multi-generations here uh, of, of folks who have worked on this and, and really delivered quality service uh, for all these years, that strength, that, that, that institutional strength can be leveraged for your benefit, because when you make the switch to Breda Pass Management, uh, you can save money instantly just for making that switch. The transfer portal is about to be open. Perhaps you need to enter the transfer portal with your current termite company and pop over to uh, Breda Pass Management. It's going to feel like you get your own NIL deal in the process because they're going to put more money back in your pocket just for making that decision. So please find them online. It's BredaPest.com. There's nothing more important right now than saving money where you can. And Breda Pest Management is going to show you how you can save money in your termite protection, your pest control, things like that. They're going to show you how you can do that. So find them online, BredaPest.com. B-R-E-D-A, BredaPest.com, the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics. All right, let me take care of a little bit of business here for a couple of seconds. First of all, no live show for us tomorrow. Tomorrow's Thanksgiving. We're going to enjoy that with our family. We hope you're getting ready to enjoy that with your family and friends there as well. But we will be back on Friday 
for kind of a Black Friday edition of Dog Nation Daily, kind of a tradition for us, getting ready for Georgia, Georgia Tech. We don't take days off like that during the season. We want to be here for you and have a great show, so we'll do that with you coming up on Friday. Cannot wait to do it. Now, keep this in mind. I won't be here tomorrow to remind you that the clock is ticking on this Dog Nation uh, go for three and 23 tailgate at the SEC Championship coming up two Saturdays from now. And the space to kind of secure your go for three and 23 t-shirt is limited here on this. So you got to understand that. So do this today. Uh, don't hesitate because we've already sold a lot of these. We had a massive first day response. And so these are already kind of flying off the shelves here. We've only got limited space left for those who want to get their go for three and 23 t-shirt. So um, I want you to dognation.com and like right there, easy to see right there, kind of the top of the page above the fold, if you will, there's a link to click into for the go for three in 23 tailgate at the Home Depot backyard next Saturday. This is the closest tailgate to the stadium. It's all you can drink for the purpose of for the period of the tailgate, uh, you know, uh, you know, sort of buffet style food, uh, all you can eat uh, type of stuff there as well. Really, really, really uh, enjoyable experience uh, when it comes to all of that for three hours. You get the uh, uh the, the the go for three and 23 t-shirt if you're one of the first uh, i think 100 people to sign up i believe we can guarantee that on so we're right there at the uh kind of the cusp on that already and so with me not here tomorrow my fear is by the time i come back on friday we may hear the oh, t-shirts are all gone so take this chance right now to pop in there and get that dognation.com for more details on it we want you to be a part of all of this so please make sure that you are uh, dognation.com for more details there on all of that all right we got a busy show here today it's jake from the former georgia quarterback coming up here in a couple of minutes it is mike griffith there as well and then prior to that i want to go around the doghouse poured today by our friends at dr pepper and of course you know dr pepper is a big part of my daily routine once the show is over with and of course really happy to have them as a big part of our weekly routine around the doghouse here on the show there as well and um I want to draw an interesting contrast here for a moment. Do you remember after the Auburn game and uh, Hugh Freeze, the Auburn coach, who had kind of had a little bit of a rough week because he sort of didn't really talk appropriately about the Georgia-Auburn rivalry. He was like, you know, I don't think this one's quite as intense as some of them, and he was had to be corrected off mic. No, coach, you're wrong. Uh, actually, this rivalry is very intense for Auburn fans. And he had to be corrected kind of there off the mic. It's a pretty embarrassing moment for him there on that. And then after the game, he goes and speaks at some like booster club type thing or rubber chicken type circuit. And he was like, boy, it's a real shame this Georgia-Auburn rivalry is not going to be played anymore, which there's no confirmation the SEC is truly going to go to an eight-game conference schedule and stay there, or should say stay at an eight-game conference schedule. It seems like it's likely to be true, but that hadn't been confirmed. Hugh Freeze sort of seemingly let the cat out of the bag when he said that. And to me, he sort of said it in such a way that kind of made it seem like it wasn't such a shame. You know, it sort of felt like Hugh Freeze, as the Auburn coach, did not sound all that just like just devastated. Gosh, it's just such a shame we won't be playing number one Georgia on a yearly basis anymore. A team that's won 28 straight games, and we've been a handful of those losses. It's just a real shame that we won't be doing that on a on a weekly basis anymore. Uh, that's kind of one of the things that uh, sort of sounded like you know you know you know Hugh Freeze was kind of saying there. 
and really like a lot of SEC teams kind of in that regard, at least a few SEC teams in that regard. You know, South Carolina, there's been some rumors behind the scenes that if the SEC had gone to a nine-game conference schedule, the Gamecocks, at least according to some chatter that's out there, did not want to play Georgia on a regular basis. You know, at one point in time, I think South Carolina would have sort of thought of Georgia as their uh, number one SEC rival, but they uh, seemingly didn't want to do that on a yearly basis. At least we're led to believe that on some of the chatter stuff, that there's some SEC teams that have played Georgia every year with the league getting ready to change and sort of shift some things around schedule-wise. You sort of get the idea. There are a few teams that, that, that don't seem to want to play Georgia on a yearly basis or you know, kind of looking forward to the idea of maybe perhaps not having to do that. But Georgia Tech, who's the in-state rival to Georgia, and who's also you know played the dogs on a yearly basis for, I guess, every year except for 2020 uh, for quite some time, it sounds like Brent Key, the the first-year full-season tech coach, it sounds like he's not quite echoing that here right now. It sounds like Brent Key, despite the fact that Georgia Tech's a big underdog again on Saturday, sounds like he sort of likes the idea of playing Georgia and likes the idea of trying to bring Tech back to an era like, say, late 90s when he was a player at Georgia Tech where they were you know, winning games on, on against Georgia on, on a pretty regular basis. And the idea of making Tech relevant – in comparison to Georgia, seems like something that Brent Key would really like to do. I'm going to play a little bit of audio from Key with his weekly press conference here. This is a slightly longer clip than we would normally play, a little longer than a minute. But I wanted to give you some of his thoughts here on Georgia, where A, he doesn't shy away from the dominance that Georgia's had in this series, and also doesn't shy away from his desire to see that change. I think this is interesting. I'm going to let you hear it, and then we'll kind of talk about what we think it means. This is Brent Key from this week on the subject of the Georgia rivalry. I want them to understand the importance of this game. Uh, it's not just another game. Right? When you come to the season, there's, there's two goals. Right? There's a goal to go to the bowl game, right? and there's a goal to beat Georgia. And we don't come out and openly talk about what goals are. That's why last week I began to talk about a bowl game because that was time to talk about it. Well, this week it's time to talk about another goal. That's beating Georgia. Is your goal to win every game? Yeah, it's to win every football game. But our true team goals are to go to a bowl game and to beat Georgia. I said it in my opening press conference a year ago. I said we'll work every day to beat the team on the other side of the state, and that's what we're doing. That's what we've done. Is it's work every day with that. Along those lines, does it does it bother you as an alum what's kind of happened to the rivalry here in recent years? And then, how do you sell to your players? You know, they're not just good over there. They have, I mean, they're bigger. They've got more money, more assets, whatever. How do you sell to them that that you can win this game? So first, the part about your thoughts about what's happened to it, and then how you how you sell. The possible possibility of victory. So to answer your first question, you're damn right it does. Yeah, it does. Right? Rivalries aren't one-sided. Rivalries are games that are able to play uh, competitive games between two teams. That's what makes rivalries great. Right? This is hands down one of the greatest rivalries in the country. Right? Well, in order for that to be the case, outside of our scope, right, it needs to be competitive. Oh, well, that's on us. That's on us at Georgia Tech. That's on us to be able to go out there and compete right, for four quarters in the football game. So. so, listen, I am fairly ambivalent about the Georgia-Georgia Tech rivalry. On the one hand, I'm a little bit of a traditionalist, and obviously there's great tradition as it relates to Georgia and Georgia Tech. Clean old-fashioned hate has existed for a long time. There's a little bit of a charitable tie-in on all that, which is important, I think, probably here there as well. And for a lot of people, there's just a lot of memories associated with Georgia playing Georgia Tech at the end of every season. I certainly appreciate that and understand that. I also think there's the practical reality of as long as the SEC dictates that a game must be played by every team the week before the SEC championship, playing a team like Tech that you beat with regularity is 
probably a pretty good strategic advantage for Georgia in comparison to who it could be playing and perhaps compared to what Alabama, say, plays when it battles against uh, Auburn or what LSU plays when it battles against Texas A&M. And by comparison, Georgia playing Georgia Tech, a much weaker opponent, is probably a little bit of a strategic advantage. So on the one hand, you can make both a traditional kind of emotional appeal and kind of a practical appeal, but the idea that the Georgia Tech game for Georgia should continue to be played. On the flip side of that, there's also the thing of there is a lot of change afoot in college athletics here right now. We see all kinds of rivalries like, say, Bedlam between Oklahoma Oklahoma State for a long time, Texas and Texas A&M, and other examples of rivalries that used to be played that are no longer played. And in a world in which those rivalries can't be protected, you can't really guarantee that Georgia and Georgia Tech as a rivalry can be protected either. That's just, that, you know, that's just a fact. Plus, beyond that, you know, once again, speaking practically here, Georgia playing non-conference games against other opponents is really big business. You know, Georgia-Notre Dame was a big deal. Togs going up there to South Bend in 2017, them coming here in 2019. These neutral site games like the Clemsons and the Oregons that Georgia's played, people seem to really like that. There's a lot of money to be made by that. And if Georgia is not going to get credit for playing Georgia Tech as a non-conference opponent and it's not because how many times over the course of this year have you heard about Georgia playing such a weak non-conference schedule even though it includes a road game at a power five opponent if Georgia doesn't get credit for playing at Georgia Tech then perhaps it'd be better suited using that date on the calendar or that that spot on the schedule for uh, a non-conference game that would gain a little bit more notoriety for the program and perhaps be a little bit more lucrative on the business part of that in other words I think that there are reasonable considerations on both sides about why or why not this rivalry with Georgia Tech should be considered on a yearly basis. But I do believe that if the rivalry is to survive, it's important that the Tech coach, whoever it happens to be, the Tech coach speaks the way that Brent Key is speaking right there. I think there's something kind of commendable about the fact that he's like yeah I hate the fact that Tech can't win in this series or at least has not won in this series in, in, in seemingly a long time and the gap has gotten so wide and I am hungry to change that frankly previous Tech coaches didn't really even mention Georgia as a goal because if you set a goal and don't achieve it then you just get fired quicker and Brent Key's case at least he's willing to say yeah Georgia's a goal for us we want to make a bowl and we want to beat Georgia uh that's at least commendable that he kind of circles that as an objective for the program. And it's an absolute prerequisite if this rivalry is going to survive. I'm always a believer that, and I don't mean this in a pejorative sense, this is just the way things are. You know, Georgia's kind of the big brother in this rival, and Tech is sort of the little brother. Tech is the smaller program of a lesser stature. And it's always the, the responsibility of kind of the lesser pairing in the rivalry to sort of push the envelope for the rivalry, or otherwise it's not a rivalry at all. In other words, Georgia won't think about Tech unless Tech gives Georgia a reason to think about it. And Brent Key says, we're going to try to do our best to give Georgia reasons to think about us moving forward. And if they're successful in doing that, then perhaps the rivalry itself will kind of sort of survive on for a few more years. It's interesting to hear him saying what he's saying. I don't think it has any impact on this game this particular weekend. I think that Tech is probably years away from building the kind of roster that could even be on even fairly even footing with UGA. This is a huge mountain to climb, and just saying it doesn't change anything. But Brent Key's also the first tech coach in a long time to even say it. So I would say that's got to at least be worth something. And that is Around the Doghouse, uh, presented by Dr. Pepper here on Dog Nation Daily here today. And by the way, 
as you're getting ready for rivalry weekend here coming up, obviously you're settling in to not just enjoy the dogs, but also enjoy the rest of the games there too. Watching college football on Thursday and then Friday. A lot of you love those sort of Black Friday games. Uh, where you, I know my brother's a big fan of those, where you just sort of sit home all day long and watch whoever happens to be playing on that Friday. Sometimes it's a good game, sometimes they're not, but just sort of sitting home watching any game sort of feels pretty good on a holiday weekend. And as you're watching all of these games, Obviously, the thing that you also see a lot of are these Dr. Pepper Fansville commercials because Dr. Pepper is as connected to college football as anything. And you know next week when the SEC championship rolls into town, Dr. Pepper is all over the place for that. The halftime challenge with the throwing the footballs and the, the way in which that's kind of evolved over the years and everything else. Dr. Pepper is just deeply ingrained into the sport of college football. And they truly mean it when they say that Dr. Pepper, the rich, one-of-a-kind flavor, is the one fans deserve. This is one of those things where – I am very, very thankful to say openly and genuinely how much I love Dr. Pepper, and I love the fact that Dr. Pepper's connected to college football, and I am incredibly proud to have Dr. Pepper as a part of Around the Doghouse here today. So enjoy yourself some here this weekend. Perhaps you try the brand-new Strawberries and Cream or the Strawberries and Cream Zero Sugar, but either way, Dr. Pepper, a big part of college football, and it should be a big part of your college football weekend there as well. All right, we've got Jake Fromm coming up here before today's program is done. We'll look at a couple of the other – sort of takeaways from the top 25 last night we had a little bit of a leapfrog into the top four for a team that I've sort of been calling upon to see this happen for a while but the committee or perhaps maybe more so the ESPN folks I think also kind of drop a hint maybe about how one team whose playoff status may be kind of hanging on a string here perhaps they might get treated this is some interesting stuff here coming up we'll get to all of that but for now on Georgia number one the game on Saturday and everything else Let's get ready to do a Georgia Farm Bureau Insider Update and talk to Mike Griffith here today on Dog Nation Daily. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com Insider. Georgia Farm Bureau Insider Update. We'll talk to Mike Griffith here right now. And Mike, I know you had a chance to talk to Boo Corrigan last night, the uh, college football playoff uh, uh, committee chairman. And I think you had a chance to ask him directly about Georgia's number one. And I think what you asked him about sort of been the theme of our show a little bit today here, too, which is that not only are the dogs number one, but after blowing out Tennessee on the road, handling Ole Miss easy, also beating a top 10 ranked Missouri team. Tennessee stays in the rankings, by the way. So it's three straight wins for Georgia against ranked opponents here that Georgia also seems to be showing some separation here right now for everything that people wanted to say about Georgia and the the sort of absence of resume or whatever else. Here we are, you know, kind of late stage of November. And to my eyes, it seems like Georgia is about as firmly cemented into the number one position as they could have expected to be. Was that your takeaway from last night as well? It really was. And and that was kind of what I was trying to get to with Boo, you know, and, and where I'm working, the angle, and, and, I'm, and of course, we're not there yet. But, you know, you, you wonder. There's a lot of football to be played, and, and I'm not – projecting or predicting anything but you wonder could have one lost Georgia get in the playoff if they've separated that much now but I digress I, I don't anticipate a loss this team gets better every week um, it just to me this has been Kirby Smart's best coaching job I, I know that listen it, you know I don't work for Georgia I made that clear right I'm not a fan I'm a team I'm a journalist that covers the team but objectively I've got to tell you Kirby Smart has to be the coach of the year. He just has to be the national coach of the year when you consider all the players, not only that he lose, he loses his offensive coordinator, uh, you know, he loses these dynamic weapons with a Donnie Mitchell going to Texas and Kenny McIntosh in the NFL and Darnell Washington and 
first round left tackle and, and, and the quarterback uh, goes in the fourth round to the Rams. And uh, I mean, we haven't even started you know, Jalen Carter on your defense and, and you lose all those players. And then you have the most injuries that Kirby's ever had at the start of the year. And, and we're all wondering, I mean, let's be honest, we're all wondering how long can this last? That's what we're thinking when they're down 10 to halftime in South Carolina, when they're struggling at Auburn. How long can this last? Now, this this team looks downright ferocious. And that's coaching, and that's development, and it's team culture. And if Kirby Smart's not the the SEC Coach of the Year slam dunk, uh, he should certainly be a, win a National Coach of the Year award this year, Brandon. Yeah, I kind of said this to somebody this week, too, in one of the interviews that I was doing, at least along the same lines of what you're saying, which is that when you kind of talk about how Georgia has evolved – and the success they've shown over the course of the season, I do believe the in-game coaching from the Georgia coaches is a big explanation for that. And obviously Kirby Smart is the head coach. He just gets deserves credit for that. But the way in which you know Georgia kind of goes on lockdown defensively after giving up these opening drive touchdowns, which continues to be sort of a source of curiosity and, and to some degree an amusement. But Georgia goes on complete lockdown after that. I don't think you can do that without coaching. Obviously, Mike Bobo, I think you and I would both say, is is performing right now like he could be the very best assistant coach in college football and perhaps uh, honored that way with the Broyles Award here coming up. But in addition to Kirby Smart, you know, kind of being you know mentioned as sort of the best single-season performers among head coaches, the job that the coordinator is doing, I think that's really strong there as well, that for all you, we say about the Georgia talent, and clearly it's prodigious, the job these coaches are doing right now to, 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 to allow Georgia to have the success it continues to have, I don't think it should go unmentioned. No question. And, you know, all you got to do is contrast it to 2019 and poor Jake Fromm. You know, on the one hand, right on time, uh, you know, quarterback for a national championship, uh, you know, a team game player. I mean, it wasn't his fault the defense gives up second and 26. Jake should have, by all rights, won a national championship his freshman year. But, boy, I just wonder, Brennan, if he stuck around for 2020 instead of going pro. Him and Swift both. You know, and that was an error. Just think, in NIL, they would have been able to keep those guys. I mean, my goodness, if Alabama – could keep Mike, Mac Jones and, and, and Najee Harris and Devontae Smith. Why couldn't Georgia have ponied up the money? Well, because it was illegal, I suppose. But somehow some players stayed at some schools for their senior year and other players went to the riches of the NFL. And all you got to do is contrast how Mike Bobo has juggled all the receivers. You know, uh, Brock Bowers is in, Brock Bowers is out, Led McConkey's out, Led McConkey's in. Uh, Kirby's told us there's been injuries behind the scenes. Marcus Rosen Jack Saint. You don't see any of these freshmen contributing. Right, and and then you know Kendall Milton's in, Kendall Milton's out, uh, Dejon Edwards wasn't there at the start of the year. I, I mean, Mike Bobo offensive line changes, and, and Mike Bobo, with a first year starting quarterback, has what the number four or five offense. All those Mike Bobo people, and, and I remember at the start of the year being on a show, and I can't remember which one it was, and someone said, "Well, what would you tell all these people that say Mike Bobo's a dumb?" I said, "I'd say they're stupid." And somebody, uh, somebody told me, hey, be careful what you say. You know, I said, I just can't help it. Like, I just looked at Bobo's resume, and I'm thinking, what is the problem here? You know, I don't get it. You know, well, he ran the ball too much. Really, Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, Todd Gurley, you don't say. Uh, Brandon, this guy has been phenomenal this year. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt that's the case. We also heard a moment ago from uh, Joel Klatt, the Fox analyst, on – kind of the teams he thought were up there near the top that could perhaps be competitive with UGA. We've kind of shared our thoughts on that too here on the show. 
when you look at these teams kind of rank below Georgia, perhaps around Georgia, is there a team or two that you think creates an interesting matchup and perhaps from a matchup standpoint could potentially give Georgia a problem if you're thinking about, you know, something in the postseason here? Well, I'll, I'll just be honest with you. You know, any one of them, and, and here's why. Uh, 75-yard touchdown on first play of the game. Carson Beck fumbles and loses eight yards. Touchdown drive stalls out. You settle for a field goal. Uh, Carson Beck throws an interception down 7-3. Tennessee has the ball at your 30, but wait, you're bailed out by a flag. Look, you do that against a good team, Brandon, and you don't get that flag, and the ball doesn't bounce back in your hands. I, I, I just I don't know that you've got the margin for error against a really good team. A, a team that's hot, okay? Let's say you're not playing Tennessee when they're hot. Tennessee just got their ass kicked the week before. You weren't playing a good Tennessee. But what if you play a hot team? What if you play an undefeated Ohio State or an undefeated Michigan or uh, a one-loss Texas in the playoffs? And you can you know you brought it up earlier that this slow start thing, like you can't when you when you play a really good team, it's like NCAA basketball. You go to the tournament and you run into a hot team that's shooting well. You know I don't care who you are, you've been number one all year. It doesn't matter anymore. It's a tournament sport. And you know Roy Kramer brought that up, and we were talking about the twelve-team playoff, but he might as well have been talking about college football because if you think about it the sec championship game is the first game of the tournament and it may or may not knock you out it probably will if you lose the sec championship game 2021 was a bit of an anomaly if you look at the college football 14 playoff history you didn't see a lot of championship game losers make the playoff georgia had that margin for error that was a very unique opportunity and the dogs cashed in won the national title won the rematch but if you think about it the sec these league championship games are kind of the first round of the playoff and, and then you got two more games. So, to me, Georgia's playing fantastic right now. But you, you have a slow start against whomever, Texas. Look what happened to Alabama. They got a slow start against Texas at home, and Texas got hot. I don't know that I ever think Quinn Ewers can replicate that performance. I've said I don't think he could. Uh, but who knows? He's got a Donnie Mitchell. He's got another really good uh, receiver over there. they got a huge line. Um my point is this. It's a tournament game. Georgia is hot right now. They need to stay hot. They need to get through this Tech game uh, you know, with as little attrition as possible, hopefully no injuries. Um, Tech's going to make it tough on them Saturday night under the lights. You know, Brandon, you know Tech's going to make it hard. They're going to be chippy. And then we're going to see what happens against Alabama. And, um, man, it's exciting. But to your point, matchup teams, I think Michigan. You know, I really do. And, and, I'm, and I remember what happened in the Rose Bowl. Or excuse me, the Orange Bowl. I was there. I saw Georgia dominate. It was thirty-four to eleven. They could have scored sixteen that night if Kirby wanted to. Michigan's touchdown came very late. Uh, but this is a veteran Michigan team with a mobile quarterback and a pretty salty defense. Um, I'm not saying I necessarily think they beat Georgia, but I think they could stay on the field with too much like Ohio State did last year. Very, very, very close game. If not for the matrix moved by Brock Bowers and the quick thinking timeout by Kirby Smith four or five plays we could point to in that Ohio State game but yeah I do I I think Texas Michigan uh both of those teams uh, I don't think Florida State's much of a concern anymore without their quarterback um you know does Alabama if Georgia gets in with one loss and you have to play Alabama again I suppose not sure what to make of Washington and Oregon um maybe a little bit more of a believer in Oregon than Washington 
Um, but yeah, there's a lot of football left. Turning our attention to Georgia Tech here for a moment, you mentioned you know the idea of staying healthy. It certainly seems like you know Georgia is going to be managing managing some injuries going into this game. I'd be surprised if Lad McConkey plays. Perhaps the same thing is true for Ra Ra Thomas there as well. Maybe Tate Ratledge too, who we know you know left that Tennessee game. It seems like Georgia could be a little short handed for this game there on Saturday. You know the McConkey thing's been kind of interesting to. Uh, I guess sort of follow here. How healthy do you think Ladd can be going into the Alabama game, just based on what we know about his status here right now? Well, you know, and that's where it gets tricky. You know, that's why you hope you hope you don't need him against Georgia Tech. Look, he he didn't really practice the week leading up to Tennessee. He was a team captain, so he tried to play and and, it, and he couldn't go. You know, the ankle it just it just wasn't ready. Um, you know, these high ankle sprains can take a couple weeks sometimes, and I think you need Ladd for Alabama. I just I just don't think you trot him out there against Georgia Tech, and and you hope you don't need him. I mean, you know, I thought it was great that Dylan Bell stepped up. Uh, we saw Aaron Smith very successful on the jet sweep, and, uh, you know, the rah-rah Thomas thing is, is a little bothersome, a little troublesome. And that's a guy you really kind of wanted to, kind of hoping to see that guy come into his own at the end of the year. Um, you know, don't forget Dominic Lovett. I mean, he was supposed to be, you know, a potential, you know, breakout star. Hasn't really happened. He's been pretty good. Um, need a little bit more from him. Uh, not sure where we're at with Brock Bowers. DA just didn't quite look like himself at the end of that game. I mean, he's still Brock Bowers, and he'll power through whatever. I guess if there's not risk of a further injury, you go ahead and let him go out there. I'll be at a little bit less than 100%. Uh, Oscar Delp, um, you know, tough drop last week, but but a guy who's had his moments this year and could still provide a lift. Kendall Milton's getting better. Um, need to continue to see. He needs to continue. If he's going to the league, you better do that. He's nowhere to be seen on draft boards. He needs a strong finish to the season. So, um, and, and the offensive line is plenty deep. They just they just can't beat themselves against Georgia. That's my opinion on Georgia Tech. They can't keep losing turnover battles on the road. They've lost the turnover battle on the road. I think. I want to say, I'm trying to think if they lost the turnover battle at Tennessee ones, I'm trying to remember that, but uh, I know they did at Auburn and Vanderbilt. Just can't beat themselves on Saturday night. It's our Georgia Farm Bureau Insider Update with Mike Griffith here on uh, Dog Nation Daily, and of course, a uh, big day for the home state here coming up on Saturday is the in-state rivalry, clean old-fashioned take takes place. And of course, when you think about folks who live right here in our state, that's like the folks at Georgia Farm Bureau, agents and claims adjusters and friendly folks who understand what it feels like to be in Georgia, going to work and living and participating in all the things we have going on here right now and understanding your needs for your auto insurance and your home insurance and your life insurance and how those things impact what you're doing on a daily basis. So find out why we say it, that Georgia Farm Bureau, always the home team, find them online at gfbinsurance.com. That's gfbinsurance.com. Their friendly folks can take care of you because they love Georgians. They are they are Georgians themselves, and they want to serve you when it comes to all of your insurance needs online at gfbinsurance.com. Mike, I'll finish with this, and I say this half-kiddingly, but you mentioned hopefully Georgia doesn't need McConkie against Tech. I mean, the truth is, if they do need McConkie against Tech, then all the time we spent at the beginning of our conversation about Georgia being number one, that's a total waste of time. Because <laughs> if you're the, truly the number one team in the country, then you can sit a few folks and go out and you know and, and beat Tech in Atlanta on Saturday. And certainly that's what we, uh, if you're a Georgia fan anyway, that's what you hope is the case. I mean, that, that would sound reasonable. But I point to Michigan as a great example. Michigan struggled at Maryland. And Michigan had been blowing everybody out to that point, blowing everybody out. 
I just I think football's a razor thin margin for error game. I don't think you have to be a lot off, um, you know, to to have a close game or to be, have be a potential upset alert victim. Um, I think there's more parity than we think. I know we talked earlier about this coaching, and you know the thing that I when I watch Georgia football is, is they're just so well coached. You know, you just you don't see the silly penalties, you, you don't see the false starts, you don't see the ten men on the field. The sideline doesn't look confused. Uh, the quarterback never looks panicked. You don't see the personal fouls. It's just an extremely well-coached, disciplined team. And I think that's maybe a little bit of the secret here. And, you know, last year's team, I mean, let, let's, let's be honest, there were, there were some moments on offense when, you know, you kind of, you know, looked around a little bit and said, oh, that didn't look good, you know. I think Carson Beck has looked, you know, even though he's had a couple of, you know, a fumble here or there, maybe a pick, but Carson has not had any of those "what are you doing" moments. You know what I'm saying? Those plays when when Kirby says at the end of the game we got to play within the he doesn't say that. This team, I believe, is more disciplined than last year's team. I believe it's. I think it's a a, a better coach team. It, I think it needs to be because there is no Jalen Carter. You're not playing with 12 guys on defense like you were last year. Playing with Jalen Carter was like having 12 guys. You don't have that guy. Stackhouse isn't that. Logue's not that. Big Baby hasn't come along. You don't have that in the middle like you did last year. So it has to be disciplined. If, if somebody misses a gap, you see it. It's a touchdown. There's no margin for error there. You know, everybody has to do their job, and for the most part, they really, really have. And then offensively, um, you know, what a revelation Dylan Bell's been. It's exciting to have a player like that, a breakout star. Um, you know, we were all, like I said, we were all talking about the transfers and the freshman receivers the offseason. And little did we know that the breakout star was right under our nose and already on the team in Dylan Bell. And what a spectacular job they've done developing him. So uh, this has been an exciting team to watch. It's been a fun team to watch. Uh, I think it's very gratifying to Kirby Smart. I think he really, I think he really appreciates this team. Not that he didn't appreciate the other ones, but he said this team's completely different than the last two. He thought 21 and 22 were very similar. He says this team's completely different. Um, and, and I really like seeing Mike Bobo and Will Muschamp, the former Georgia players, uh, the three musketeers, as Ray Goff called them. And, and, and say this, you know, it's a happy Thanksgiving week for everyone. Sure uh, Brandon, you know, one of my Thanksgiving wishes is to, say, is to see Ray Goff honored by the University of Georgia. I just think it's been too long. Um, you know, this is a guy that won SEC Player of the Year on offense and won an SEC championship and recruited Kirby Smart and Mike Bobo and Will Muschamp and, um, you know, he, he loaned his plane to the school early in the Mark Rick there. It's just high time that Georgia honors this guy, in my opinion. I guess that's my Thanksgiving wish. Well, certainly we'll hope to see that happen, and Mike will have certainly plenty of time in the days ahead to talk about that. We appreciate you being here on our program today for our Georgia Farm Bureau Insider Update. Happy Thanksgiving, and we'll look forward to getting a chance to speak to you very soon. Thanks, Brandon. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. And we are not done with the gas on today's show. It's the former Georgia quarterback, Jake Fromm, coming up in a moment. Jake's got a lot of thoughts on what's going to happen in Atlanta on Saturday and how Georgia keeps its edge, keeps its focus with Thanksgiving week and uh, the in-state rival and the look ahead to the SEC championship. All of that coming up with Jake Fromm here in just a moment. Prior to that, let's go cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And obviously, we're getting ready for that Dog Nation cruise coming up in April of 2024 for the very first time ever on an Oasis-class ship. It's called Allure of the Seas. It's one of the largest ships at sea. 
and the size of the ship gives us room and space for even more specially themed Dog Nation events and more special restaurants and, and lounges and you know entertainment options on board. That is what the Oasis class of ships are all about, and Jessica Slater can be the one to help you with that. You know, Royal Caribbean believes that a great Royal Caribbean cruise vacation is made even better when you have a great travel agent help you plan it. And when it comes to our own Dog Nation cruise, Jessica Slater is the travel agent we trust to kind of help do all that, especially selected for us by Royal Caribbean. They said, hey, here's a great travel agent. She'll take good care of you. And you better believe for years now she has. So give her a call, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. You can also email her, Slater at dreamvacations.com. That's Slater at dreamvacations.com. And website, royaldogs.com. Dogs, of course, spelled the way it's supposed to be, D-A-W-G-S, royaldogs.com to find out all the information you need about the upcoming Dog Nation Cruise, April of 2024. All right. Egg Bowl is on tap for Thursday. I love this game. I really, really do. And to me, it sort of speaks to what I really like about college football. So there are some rivalries in our sport that are kind of prestigious. I used that word about something else a little earlier. I'll use that word here right now that – you know, when you got Michigan against Ohio State, as a for instance. Michigan's won championships. Ohio State's won championships. These are certainly haughty, erudite fans who sort of think they're better than everybody else. There's a level of prestige that exists around that rivalry, and it's the it's the the, the belief they have about how good they are that makes the rivalry somewhat special. But that, to me, is not what makes college ball rivalries great. There is something to be said for the game in which, hey, we don't have a conference championship to contend for. We're 1,000 miles away from a national championship. We've got nothing going for us, so therefore we're going to sink everything we have to, you know, I'm pun intended here, we're going to put all of our eggs in the basket of winning our in-state rivalry game because that's all we have. And to me, there's something really fun about that in college football that I can't be a champion of anything, but I can be a champion of this state and beating the team on the other side of the state that I don't like. And on Thanksgiving night, oftentimes, that's what the Egg Bowl ends up being. So really and truly, it's one of my favorite games. I'm not proud of how much I like this. There's a certain Jerry Springer aspect of the Egg Bowl where there's a lot of distasteful things that have gone on on both sides over the years. Frankly, that just sort of makes it more entertaining to me. I wish it didn't, but it does. And so I am very pro-Egg Bowl. So I know a lot of folks are kind of getting excited about uh, cowboys and lions on Thanksgiving Day. But in this house... Our Thanksgiving tradition is the Egg Bowl. We love that game. In fact, coming up in a moment, you're going to hear me being caught off guard by the fact that the Washington Commanders, Jake's team, was even playing against the Cowboys on Thursday. That's how not plugged into the NFL I am right now. But you better believe I am all on board for the Egg Bowl. And I'll give you a quick thought here on this. A year ago, down the stretch, we saw interim coaches actually playing pretty well. The guy we mentioned earlier today, Brent Key, was an example of that. When he stepped in for Tech, Tech started playing better. When Cadillac Williams stepped in at Auburn, Auburn started playing better. There was really something to be said for the performance of the interim coaches last year. I sort of think we could see a little bit of a stand-up moment for some interim coaches here this week there as well. I am watching Mississippi State here in this game. I think the Bulldogs are probably the right side, plus the points. I believe they're 10-point underdogs. Uh, Plus the points, I believe Mississippi State's probably the right side here. I think Texas A&M could be the right side against uh, LSU there as well. There has been a little bit of something going on for interim coaches last year, especially in a few different spots. I believe it could be true again this year. So that's a little bit of what to watch for and when it comes to the SEC here 
the idea that interim coaches perhaps play a little bit better than those teams have been playing prior to that. I've got my eye on the Bulldogs keeping it close there in the Egg Bowl. A couple of notes on the college ball playoff top 25. Washington moves into the top four spot ahead of Florida State. Now, I've been calling for this to happen the last couple of weeks. From a resume standpoint, I believe Washington has had the better resume than Florida State. That doesn't mean that I think that Washington will win that game head-to-head for a fully healthy Florida State team. I think that's to be determined or would be to be determined. But in terms of the resume, no doubt that Washington has just beaten more ranked teams. Another one coming on this past Saturday on the road at Oregon State. I think it's pretty easy to make the case of the Huskies here right now. So some people sort of take this as, well, now that Jordan Travis is injured, Florida State drops down. But to me, this is more about what Washington continues to do. I don't know that it can last. I, I, I don't know that I think that Washington is truly a playoff-level team. In fact, my pick to make the playoff out of that league right now would be Oregon. I believe that Oregon's the better team and will eventually have the better overall resume when it beats Washington in a neutral field next Friday night. But Washington at number four right now, I think it makes some sense. However, I'll also say this. I thought, you know, you listened to Booger McFarland last night on ESPN. I thought that ESPN, for the most part, perhaps a reflection of the committee's thinking here too, I thought they treated Florida State pretty kindly. And so I've been of the belief that Florida State was a pretty easy no for the playoff, either because without Jordan Travis, they just don't win a game, or they perhaps even get excluded even if they do win out. Well, last night, the notion that they would be obviously excluded because they no longer have their star quarterback, you didn't really get that from the ESPN telecast. So perhaps from a perception and opportunity standpoint a 13-0 Florida State team would still be alive even without Jordan Travis an easy win for almost whoever plays them a very good chance that's Georgia I still think though very good chance the Seminoles probably lose eliminate themselves but they were treated pretty kindly on ESPN last night couldn't help but notice that and then I'll just say this very quickly so Tennessee stays in kind of the bottom part of the top 25 last night where they come in number 21 I believe in the rankings uh, there last night I think that's what that was at this point in time I think the committee probably likes the Vols more than Tennessee fans do because obviously they're pretty frustrated with how that team's played but even after another loss the committee sort of keeps them ranked ultimately I don't know that this is that egregious of an error it's the bottom you know sort of part of the top 25 somebody's got to be in there and you know yes they got blown out by Georgia on Saturday but all that means is they're the team that had to play Georgia you know for you know frankly somebody else in the same spot probably a pretty similar result given the way that UGA is playing here right now and as it stands it's another kind of strong boost for the Georgia resume now three straight wins against teams currently ranked in the top 25 and that's why the gap between Georgia and everybody else is seemingly growing to the degree that it is and we'll make that cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean and get ready to talk to Jake Fromm right now. And here on Dog Nation Daily, time now for our Kroger Fresh Take is welcome in the former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm to the program. Dog's getting ready for Georgia Tech. Everybody getting ready for Thanksgiving. And I guess, Jake, I'll start right there. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Hope you're getting ready for a uh, a wonderful one. What is on the, uh, I guess, the plans here for the Fromm family here this week? Hey, Brandon, how you doing? Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, glad to be here. Um, you know, the Fromms right now, we, uh, we are playing the Dallas Cowboys oh, that's right. on Thanksgiving. So you'll be able to, uh, to watch us go out at 4.30 uh, and play. So we'll be a little bit busy, um, but hopefully we'll be able to eat. You know, it just gives us uh, the chance to have two Thanksgivings, one on Wednesday and then another one on the weekend. So we're excited for that. Well, that is certainly good. What is it like being a part of like a Thanksgiving game? I mean, a lot of us have sort of watched these growing up, admittedly. I'm probably not as plugged into the NFL right now as perhaps I would be if we weren't knee-deep in all this Georgia stuff. But, like, 
you know, what is it like logistically for the NFL teams that have to do that? Of course, Detroit, Dallas do that every year, and there's obviously a rotational base of the other teams, but what's that like for Washington getting ready for a situation like that? Yeah, um, it's pretty neat. I was able to uh, be a part of a Thanksgiving game uh, in Buffalo as well. Um, you know, it's just a crammed, jam-packed week. You know, anytime an NFL team plays on Thursday, it's just a short week. Yeah. Uh, just trying to get your bodies right to be able to go out and play and uh, just get the game plan in, honestly. But uh, it's a really cool experience. Uh, you know uh, the entire country is watching. Um, and, you know, it is kind of nice playing on Thursday, and, and you'll be able to have the weekend off. That's and, right. And really get to spend time with family. So it is kind of nice in a way. Well, best of luck with the game, and obviously looking forward to uh, allowing you to enjoy that on the other side of all of that. And then with George, obviously a big game coming up with Georgia Tech too. But before we get to that – you know, I thought what the dogs did in Knoxville on Saturday was as impressive as anything we've seen. You know how tough it can be to play there and how loud that crowd can be. And I just thought that Georgia really thrived in that environment on Saturday. And by all appearances, seemed to be kind of really coming together here at the exact right time. Uh, how impressed were you with what you saw from UGA uh, against Tennessee on Saturday? Yeah, very impressed. Uh, we know that Tennessee is just a different uh, team at home. They just play so much better. Uh, under that atmosphere, uh, and the University of Tennessee pulled out all the stops. Had Dolly there, had Pete yeah. Manning there. Uh, you know, the Georgia defense got punched in the mouth early, get scored on a first play, 75-yard touchdown run, and it just they just seemed unfazed. Uh, they responded well. The offense was uh, just firing on all cylinders. Carson looked well again, man. Very, I mean, he 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 is really turned into to something at the quarterback position, and. Uh, it's honestly really fun to watch him go to work. Uh, Bobo's dialing it up, plenty of weapons. Um, and it's just really fun to watch the Georgia football team play right now because they just keep getting better every single week. Of course, you love country music, so you've got great respect for Dolly. But, Jake, i got to tell you, I thought they really set her up poorly with this on Saturday. With like the band playing, it's like, can we not show some more respect to Dolly Parton here and like just give her a chance to – like? I don't know. It's like you got the Tennessee marching band totally drowning her out. I was standing right there on the field when it happened. I just felt really bad for Dolly. I, I felt like the Tennessee folks could have put her in a better position to succeed, and they probably did. Yeah, I do too. I was uh, I was watching uh, the TV as well. Um, you know, she couldn't even hear on her earpiece, so I uh, feel bad for her. But uh, uh, later on TV, she was able to sing her heart out. Uh, during an interview. So oh, is that right? Oh, well, well then oh, I'm yeah. glad I'm glad to hear she got a second chance on that. That is uh, oh, certainly yeah. good to know. Sure. And since you brought this up, I'll mention this there as well. I mean, when you look at Carson Beck right now, I mean, obviously Jaden Daniels from LSU is having a great season. Both the Pac-12 quarterbacks, Bo Nix, who we obviously know from being at Auburn, and Michael Penix, they're having great seasons as well. But, I mean, it just seems like to me in the discussion of quarterbacks in the country who are playing the best, I just think that Carson Beck right now ought to have a really prominent plays in that discussion so whether it's you know the future of his NFL draft status or his potential candidacy for the Heisman Trophy I just feel all all of that right now around Carson is incredibly legitimate just on based on the way that he's playing look I I think so too I I think um, undoubtedly to me he ends up in New York for the ceremony Um, I just I think it's going to be very tough um, to really get past uh, Jaden Daniels and Bo Nix right now. Um, but, you know, man, Carson has two great opportunities to play in a rivalry game against Georgia Tech uh, and then play big uh, in the SC Championship against Alabama. So you never know. You never want to say never. Um, but uh, he has definitely played very, very well. 
I think I saw a stat where he's thrown for over 250 yards in every single game, which is already impressive enough. So, um, man, he, he's really had an incredible season, and, and you can just tell he's improved every single week. So moving on to Georgia Tech here just for a moment, you know, you're from the state of Georgia, obviously down there in uh, you know, the Warner Robins Houston County area. So you have a perspective on this game that perhaps a little bit different than those who play at UGA that were maybe kind of from somewhere else. You know, what does the Georgia-Georgia Tech rivalry mean from your perspective, Jake? Yeah, I mean, man, it's just a, a gritty football game. Um, I, you know, grew up watching when Georgia Tech ran the triple option. It is just a, a, a grinded-out football game, a four-quarter game. And uh, the year before I got there in 2016, uh, had that, uh, I mean, honestly, sad loss to Georgia yeah. Tech at home. And so that really stuck with the older guys that I played with about – just the uh, just the sheer, honestly, hate for those guys to to want to get back on those guys uh, for embarrassing us uh, at home, and um, and just always wanted to play big and play well for those guys, and and make those guys have an opportunity to go out uh, on a good note. Yeah, you bring up a good point. You know, it can be easy to imagine that the last win for Tech in this series came in like the black and white TV era, but the truth is. That was the Kirby Smart era. That was before you got yeah. there. It was Kirby Smart's yep. first year. But it's still Kirby Smart, nonetheless, the same guy that would win the SEC the following year and win two national championships in each of the last two years. I mean, he has a loss to Tech on his resume, and players that you played with experienced that feeling. That was part of the revenge tour, so to speak, in 2017 when you guys you know, kind of did you know, some of that there. I mean, that had to be one of the things that kind of changed the meaning of the game for a lot of you all. Uh, even though you didn't personally have experience with the loss, your teammates did, and it seemed like that really motivated them in 2017 because they had tasted defeat in the series. Yeah, it, it definitely could have been a, a turning point in either direction, and uh, obviously really glad to be on the other side of things and and, and had it turn out uh, on a good and positive note, but I think it definitely fired a lot of people in that in that building, in that room, uh, and then throughout the organization as well to just say, hey, this ain't happening again not on our watch, and uh, the kind of record shows it speaks for itself. So I want to ask you about this, because when Kirby talks about this, obviously he kind of has the same tact with everything. Well, you know, Georgia's got a lot of rivals, which is obviously true, and we've heard Kirby say those things a million times, and yet, Jake, we've also had plenty of former players who've kind of told us over the years, and even sometimes it's current players too. I believe Jamon Dumas-Johnson said something about this at one point, but that Kirby actually privately is more than happy to kind of talk up this rivalry, whether that's because those reflect his genuine feelings because as a player he had some struggles against Tech, or because for the players who aren't from Georgia, he wants them to find a little bit of extra juice for a game like this. What was your personal experience with hearing Kirby talk about the Georgia-Georgia Tech rivalry, and is it true what other players have told us that, hey, maybe privately behind the scenes, Kirby does kind of turn up the uh, noise in terms of making this rivalry a big deal behind the scenes? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I, I would say that that's, that's about right in, in part for the course um, for, for a multitude of reasons. The one, you know, you never want this to be a look-ahead spot for the SEC championship. Uh, and then two, uh, just quite frankly, just uh, of, of what it is, uh, Georgia Tech, there's a lot of players that play for Georgia Tech uh, that wish and wanted to go and play mm -hmm. football at the University of Georgia. So you are generally getting uh, their, their, their best foot forward. Uh, you're going to get their best punch. Um, and you want to be able to show up and, and nip it in the bud early um, and, and take care of business. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely would say that Coach Martin is, is more than happy 
to, to talk this one up just because um, just want everybody up and everybody to have their antennas up because this is uh, this is real and it can always get you. It's a Kroger Fresh Take with Jake Fromm here today on Dog Nation Daily. And, of course, Thanksgiving being this week, you want all the great stuff that goes along with that. And Kroger's got you covered on that. In fact, one of the best ways to enjoy this week is to become a member of the brand-new membership program from Kroger called Kroger Boost. You get twice the fuel points when you buy the things at Kroger you're already buying. And, plus, you can get free grocery delivery there as well. So if you're trying to take the most advantage of your time in a week like this uh, to make sure you spend it with family and get all the food cooked and everything else, Kroger Boost, a great way to do all that. Visit Kroger.com slash Boost for more details. That's Kroger.com slash Boost for more details. Jake, finish with this on the subject of this this tech team in particular here this week. You know, a lot of overlap here. Buster Faulkner's a guy that worked at Georgia. He's now the tech offensive coordinator by all appearances. He's had a very successful year getting a lot out of Haynes King, a guy who at one point in time been at Texas A&M. When Buster was at Georgia, how well did you get to know him? And I guess what's your impression of him to the extent that you've had a chance to form one about him as a play caller having some success there at Georgia Tech? Yeah, um, you know, he came in after me um, and, and only really through passing. Uh, yeah. Not a, uh, uh, you know, a real in-depth or firm relationship, sure. I would say, but just but just heard nothing but uh, great things uh, about him. And obviously, man, his, his influence on the quarterback room um, you know, with Stetson and with Carson has definitely uh, uh, shown to be, um, you know, a real big highlight and, and, and has done a lot of good. So, uh, I mean, by all accounts, you're exactly right, man. Georgia Tech on offense has done some really good things. they got a great quarterback, and they got a lot of talent over there. So uh, he will definitely know uh, the, the certain scheme things uh, and how to scheme things out against the Georgia defense. So, once again, you know, as a Georgia fan, do not be surprised if uh, Georgia Tech – uh, scores on their first <laughs> offensive drive. It seems to be a common theme we've seen. Um, but uh, like always, man, they make adjustments and uh, don't don't really seem to have much going on offense after that. So you never know. It's a rivalry game. Uh, I just want to uh, man show up and uh, and play great. Jake, I think at this point in time, Georgia fans would be worried if the opponent didn't score on the first right, drive right. because right. all of a sudden now it's a new script for the game and that's going to make fans nervous. I think probably more yep. so than anything else at that point. No doubt, no doubt about that. It's just, it's just has kind of been the norm as of late. Uh, I think everybody's just okay and uh, just expecting it at this point. Well, Jake, best of luck to the Commanders. Big rivalry game against uh, Washington here on Thursday. And then, obviously, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. And hopefully on the other side of that game, you guys get some uh, some turkey and some dressing and all that kind of stuff. Maybe a little hunting this weekend, too. So best of luck on all of that. And we'll look forward to having you back here as a part of a Kroger Fresh Take on Dog Nation Daily again very soon, too. Yeah, Brandon, thank you. Definitely looking forward to it. Happy Thanksgiving to yours as well. So to be clear, the big rivalry game is Washington against Dallas, longtime NFC East foes. Of course, Dallas in that traditional spot there on Thanksgiving. Detroit Lions before that there as well. But in our house, no, no, no disrespect to Jake. We're 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 an Egg Bowl family on uh, Thanksgiving, though. We are looking forward to all of that, and of course, many of you also looking forward to a lot of fun here this weekend. And when you think about fun, you're thinking about ready to drink cocktails right there in the can. If you like mixed drinks, you'll love the finished long drink. Great pairing for all of your Thanksgiving uh, traditions here uh, this weekend on Thursday and throughout the rest of the weekend there as well, whether it's the peach-flavored version uh, here in the Peach State for the uh, final game of the regular season or the long drink traditional, blue can, grapefruit flavor, the gin kick, uh, long drink zero, that's no carbs, no sugar. If you kind of want to counteract whatever carbohydrates you have, 
you expect to be consuming here over the course of the next few days. Maybe a little long drink zero becomes a good way to kind of balance that out as you move into a tailgate weekend. Long drink strong, 8.5% alcohol by volume. Uh, long drink cranberry there as well, one of the things that folks uh, around my neighborhood always seem to love. Whichever version you think you'd like, I know you probably will, so check it out online, thelongdrink.com, to find out where you can pick some up near you. That is thelongdrink.com. All right, we told you earlier this week that we were going to have a long list of golden shoes all throughout the week. It would take us a few days to kind of get to all of this because we just had so many great submissions kind of coming off of Dog Nation Invasion on the Tennessee River and everything else. So let me run through a few of these here right now. We'll do uh, a good bit more of those as we uh, kind of head towards Friday there as well. So let's go through our uh, golden shoes here, starting with number one, our first golden shoe for the day. Uh, Visor sends this. I feel like we're getting a lot of these as of late. It's almost like the AI themed uh design here on this i feel like that's kind of a cool thing we're seeing more of that really kind of a good one there from visor we'll give him a golden shoe for that uh here today how about our next golden shoe for today there as well our buddy frankie fibonacci is kind of taken to calling brock bowers broctimus prime you see a really great rendition there of that with the hashtag golden shoe hashtag go for three and 23 and a really good rendition of Brock Bowers kind of wearing the Optimus Prime suit, of course, from Transformers fame. Most of you, hopefully, if you're a child of the 80s, you know what that is. So uh, that is really good stuff. Frankie, well done on your part there. How about our next Golden Shoe winner for today? Uh, Johnny, uh, who we saw up uh, in uh, Tennessee there on Saturday, they had kind of come down uh, for the event. Uh, this is Kaylee Manziel and I getting a chance to hang out with his uh, great son. Uh, good uh, to see Johnny there on that. And coming down from the D.C. area, we met a lot of folks from like the D.C. Beltway area uh, this past weekend, kind of interestingly enough. But he writes, the streak continues, meaning uh, Georgia winning, you know, eight straight SEC games, three straight years in a row. Uh, and then uh, Kaylee Manziel getting tagged there on that because she's right there with us. And then a great picture from the uh, shore of the Dog Nation Invasion Riverboat Cruise. And, of course, Johnny also uh, calling me the Carnival Barker. Uh, he says, even better in person. We had a great conversation walking into Neyland Stadium there on Saturday. Uh, so that was a, a really fun thing and a great way to share that. And good to see Kaylee showing up here in a uh, golden shoe for today there as well. Then how about our next one there also? Uh, Athens Steve sent this. So I can't play this video because unlike some people who just sort of play whatever video they seemingly want to, we are kind of, we're somewhat bound by, you know, not showing like the CBS footage and whatnot. But Athens Steve uh, sends this here from uh, Skinny Dog 10, who some of y'all know on social media, who did a very funny mashup of Tennessee's first touchdown, followed by the big celebration from after uh, Alabama lost to Tennessee last year, kind of making it seem like that's what Tennessee fans were celebrating because that's about how happy they were after that first touchdown so Athens Steve writes in to say the more I watch this the harder I laugh this is an all-time video edit uh, you got to show this and give some love to skinny dog 10 so we can't quite show it but I will give you the uh love to skinny dog 10 so y'all go find him on social media very very funny video from him there on that Athens Steve I appreciate you sharing that with us here today. And then our next one, uh, we had several of these submissions in honor of the empty stadium as uh, Tennessee fans were just run out of the joint there on Saturday. Uh, Swirly sends this in. I had to contribute my viewpoint in the stadium. Go dogs! Yeah, you better believe. Good to see that place emptying out as Vols fans ran for the hills. You love that. Swirly, thanks for sharing that. And then not to be outdone by that, another golden shoe as well, going the way of Brett Belding, who kind of also shared his a similar time frame from where mine was he says those gray seats were like that at halftime so Tennessee fans certainly getting out of the joint there pretty quickly and all that 
Brett, that's really good stuff. Thanks for sharing. Golden Shoe coming your way on that, too. And then another Golden Shoe as well, going out to our buddy Arnold Santiago, who happens to live up there in Missouri, and he was certainly very happy to see Missouri beat Florida. Anytime those lousy, stinking Gators lose, that's always a great thing. Gator, hater, baby, he says. Arnold, you're absolutely right about that. Now, before we wrap things up and give you a Gator hater uh, update and everything else, let me also give a shout out to our friends in Cartersville, Georgia, because they got some fun bonding activities going on here for the holiday season, including a brand new escape room called Mission Escape. Make sure you check that out. And then uh, some really fun axe throwing stuff, stuff going on there as well. Plus, there's live music every weekend uh, there as well going on uh, as well. Uh, some really cool stuff. And then December 7th is the Cartersville Annual Christmas Parade. Uh, this is not a small-town affair. It's a parade that could be seen any Times Square or anything like that. Big-time opportunity, plus great photo ops, hot chocolate for the kids, and then you can enjoy dinner there at Mule House Pizza serving fresh wood-fired pies with seasonal favorites. That sounds really good. So check out visitcartersvillega.org for more on that. That's visitcartersvillega.org for a lot more on that. And we will remind you as we say goodbye a couple of things here. A, no show tomorrow. We're going to take the day off for Thanksgiving. You guys enjoy that with your family and friends there as well. But we'll see you back live like always on Friday. One final show getting ready for clean old-fashioned hate coming up on Saturday. We are looking forward to that. Also, don't forget, I'm not going to be here tomorrow to tell you this, so make sure you jump quickly on the available space that's still left for our Dog Nation Go for 3 and 23 tailgate for the SEC Championship next Saturday there as well. Inventory's flying fast here on this. We're not here, but people will still be buying, so don't miss out on your opportunity. If you want one of those Go for 3 and 23 tailgates, uh, t-shirt so make sure you check out dognation.com all the details on the specifics of that at there at the home depot backyard the food the beverage everything else and the go for three and 23 t-shirt so happy thanksgiving to all of you i'm truly grateful for everything you do for us by showing up being a part of our show each and every day and as an expression of my gratitude i'll give you a gator hater updater here because it's now been 1110 days since those lousy, stinking Gators have beaten the uh, Georgia Bulldogs. And that is something for which we can all be thankful. Y'all have a great Thursday. We'll see you back here Friday. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Past Manager.